Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, once again, guys, wish everybody had a great Christmas, but uh, look, things don't change. We got work to do, we got shows to put out. Uh, we're going to get into the uh, pro football focus grades here uh, and that stuff. We're going to start defensively, normally we start offensively, but I think it was it, this side. This week when I saw the grades first defensively, there was something that kind of just spoke to me. So we're going to get in that here with John Costco. You know, big day, apparently, you know, Christmas-wise in the Costco household. Uh, whether it's Baker Mayfield jerseys for the young boys, a puppy added to the mix. John, big day over there for you guys. Absolutely, yeah. It's been a been a good couple of days. We got the dog a couple of days before Christmas and uh, acclimated to the, to the household. And so... Boys are excited for for three cats. Uh, yeah, is uh, finally are getting excited about uh, football, Browns football especially because they're having success. You know, they're only four and six years old, and it's amazing that how just success in the team, and they don't even really watch football much, but the success of the team has got them excited about uh, football this year. So it's 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 interesting how that happens. And it's actually kind of funny because um you know like my daughters go to school and like uh. You know, my daughter said she was hearing a debate about quarterbacks, and she's like, Dad, I just said, why isn't anybody? And she said, lean down no to the boys, and just, you guys are talking quarterbacks. Why aren't you talking about Baker Mayfield? So it's kind of funny to just see the way, you know, the kids are starting to gravitate to, you know, what the parents do and, and realize that there's something to it because, like, my kids, if it's the, oh, I got to go record right this second, they're not getting it, and then it's like, oh, wow. And then, you know, they realize the team is good, and, you know, my youngest, she's like, well, everybody always makes in front of them. I say, like, honey, they're not doing it anymore. They're not doing it anymore. Like I said, we're going to get to the defensive side. And, John, this is interesting because, you know, uh, those who want to pick the statistical box score for Miles Garrett would wonder where he was. Um, but if you check out, I mean, he did his assignment, and which in, in turn allowed for everybody else to make their plays. But it, it was definitely interesting the way the defensive grades went this down this week in what looked like, a, you know, in just your initial run through of the game, looked like a pretty damn solid defensive effort. Yeah, so I think what it was in this game is that you just had an all-around good performance by the team with really no standouts except for um, you know I obviously had a couple of sacks and but Miles Garrett did stand, and that's where the pass, which has happened in the game, it just he. It was a screen pass out to the right hat, and he was able to like basically get his his hand on it, and it wasn't like a typical knock it straight down. It like altered the flight of the ball, and it mainly looked like an underthrown pass uh, by Jeff Driscoll. So you know there, he does get benefit for that. That probably people don't re- realize that he had done um, had a couple of stops in, uh, as well, and and in the run game. But uh, you know he had he had seven total pressures um, when you account for no plays. He had. Uh, two hits, five hurries. It would have been one one hit, four hurries. Um, when it, you know, when you take out the, when you include the no, or you uh, take out the no plays. So um, he he was his win percentage against uh, Cordy Glenn was twenty nine point two percent. So he was he was obviously beating him at a, at a really good clip. It just wasn't. Uh, he just never got home to get a sack. And there's only twenty four snaps that he rushed the passer on. So. Because of how the game went out, you know, it was flowing and everything. There just wasn't that many snaps to go around for for Garrett in this game. So he was he was fantastic. Uh, the rest of the team was was solid. They had they had spurts of 
of great plays. Uh, some instances where they did struggle, like um, you know, obviously you give up a touchdown, you're you know you get a depending on your coverage, you get downgraded for that. That happens to Bill Peppers. Um, so you know, I, I, not a good all around defensive effort until the fourth quarter, essentially um, from from this team. And look, and this this is something here again, guys. And if we learned it the first game with Cincinnati, is look, you know, even when you get up big and you get up early, you do got to find a way to close it out. Um, you know, it's nice to see that you know there's one area to improve upon. But um, if it's going to be the fact that it's games where you have big leads, you know, that's something you got to worry about. Look, it's only going to come with time. And uh, Cincinnati Bengals, if whatever you're doing here off season wise, you better figure out a way to handle number 95 the two times of the year you play against Cleveland. Two games, 19 total pressures. Uh, yeah, he's an issue, and uh, you, you're going to need to take care of that. Uh, and anything Cincinnati Bengals, that better be one of your main focuses uh, you know, going into next season is how the hell you are going to handle this freak. Um, Jabril Peppers, uh, you know, grade-wise, it, it, it hadn't been up to the standards that he played this year, um, but he had a huge three-play sequence. I guess maybe it was a third quarter where there was a playing coverage, blew up the, uh, blew up a slip screen to John Ross, and then uh, you know on a blitz with everybody else, he didn't get home, but they did get the sack. I think they did a much better job this week overall. Driscoll ran a little wild with him the first time. I think this time they were a little better and said, "Look, we got to get him at first spot, or otherwise he's going to turn a negative into a positive." And it just wasn't the case for him this week. Yeah, I mean Pepper, Peppers was, uh, you know, he had that. Obviously, that really good play on on the, on the screen to to make the tackle, and uh, the thing is, you know, he did. He was the one that was in coverage on giving up a touchdown to I can't remember who who it was, but um, in the fourth quarter, the first their I think it was their first touchdown of that of that Uzuma, drive. Uzoma, Uzoma, whatever. Yeah. So, and that was a uh, like a phenomenal throw. It was like the only spot that that guy could catch it. So, um, you know, I mean, that's the thing is like he, you know he had a missed tackle in the game um, and. You know his his pass rushing numbers. He had the one hurry, but um, because you miss a tackle on the on that, um, you you know you get the, you know, you don't get the full upgrade or you know positive from that, and so that's where you know you, and you don't come home and on the other four pass rushes that you had, that knocks your grade down a little bit too. But you know it's a it's a small sample size when it comes when it comes down to it, um, and. Uh, you know he's been excellent all year long. Uh, you're you're not going to be excellent every single game, as a, you know, from a grade standpoint. From you know how, you know, there's so few plays that you can actually make an impact on as a as a safety. Usually, um, pass rushing, obviously, you have a lot more of an opportunity. But if you're in coverage and you only get targeted, um, you know, if I look at his numbers, he was targeted four times. He gave up three receptions for 24 yards and a touchdown. If you you know. You have those opportunities to make plays. If you don't, if you're not able to make a play, you know, a big imp- impact on, on it. You know, he did on one on the tackle, but if you're not breaking up the passes and stuff like that, you know, that's that's another thing too. So it's it's not like it was a terrible game from him. You know, I mean, it's really swung by like two plays, but um, you know, it's it is what it is. Now, Chris Smith, Jannard Avery, obviously, you know, uh, you know, rotational defensive ends, obviously, you know, Avery playing linebacker, stronger effort from Avery this week in what's been, at times, up and down games for Jannard Avery, but I mean, he's going to walk out of this, uh, you know, with a pretty positive feeling after his rookie season. Chris Smith, I think the thing with Chris Smith is you got to keep his snap count down. It, it seems like when he plays closer to 8 to 11 snaps, 
you get better Chris Smith. When you get closer to 20, it's kind of when you see some of the deficiencies of Chris Smith. But these guys are finding a way you know, to knife in and get in quickly, realizing that a lot of the pass, pass rush is going to be focused on Larry. It's going to be focused on Miles, and these guys are getting a lot of easy opportunities. Yeah, uh, you know, you look at what, you know, for one of the reasons why Avery was much better in this game is that they only dropped him in coverage five times. Finally, I think, I think they're starting to, yes, read the writing on the wall with that one. Yeah, so, and you know, it's interesting, in the beginning of the season, you know, the first uh, seven, six games of the, of the year, he wasn't dropping into coverage very often, and, and his grades was, were much, much better. You know, he has dropped into coverage maximum five times uh, through those first six games. Uh, and his grades were, were all excellent. He was like in, a, in the top 10 of rookies, um, all rookies, that is. And then starting in Tampa Bay, he was dropped into coverage 19 times, Pittsburgh 13, you know, Atlanta 14, Cincinnati, last, last time again, the first time against Cincinnati 11, Carolina 13, you know, all these double digit numbers that he's, he's doing and all of his grades get, you know, go w- way in the tank when he's in coverage because he's just not good there. Finally, they put, they don't drop him into coverage. He has a good game in run defense and pass rushing. He doesn't he doesn't miss any tackles in this game, and he's one of the top graded guys on the defense. Um, you know, Chris Smith. Yeah, he's a guy that he's a good rotation piece that can can play well when you scheme him up to make you know get pressures. You got two of them uh, on Sunday um, on just six pass rushes. So great great production out of a small sample size for him. That's obviously going to have a little bit of boost in the in the pass rush grade to a seventy three point one. So, um, yeah, you know, if you if he's not a guy that you ever want to have to start out there for long periods of time, but um, he's a good good rotation piece that can uh, obviously get after the quarterback when when uh, needed. Now, John, the secondary. Um, it's the first time that you had basically the entire group back since week four in Oakland. And for the most part, uh, most part, except for maybe Terrence Mitchell, who had some of an okay day, um, it was pretty, pretty piss poor day by the secondary. A day that we're not accustomed to. Is this one of those things where maybe it wasn't? It was it, it was an okay day for them grade wise, and then all of a sudden the fourth quarter they just got picked the hell apart, and it, it ends up looking bad. But I mean, for the have the secondary together for the first time since week four, you know, obviously everybody was expecting. And I mean, you look at the first half where they were basically gave up nothing, um, you know. At the end of the day, the great reflect, you know, most of it. I mean, everybody kind of scored poorly, and we're not used to this with Ward, Peppers, and Randall. Um, you broke up with a lot there, so and I, I know that you Okay, talking- I, well, I mean, first time having the secondary back together, and, you know, you figured you'd get some good grades because, you know, the first half, obviously, you know, they handled them pretty well. But, you know, Randall, Peppers, Ward, all with with, with poor, poor grades for them. Yeah, I think it's, it's more of um the opportunity of not being able to have the, the make the plays in the ball. So like um, none of them were, were like bad. I mean, really you had, um, you look at the coverage grades, Terrence Mitchell was 72.1. The worst was Jamie Collins at 44.5. You know, Denzel Ward is at a 55.9, which, you know, it's a below average grade. Um, you know, he was targeted five times, allowed three catches, um, and, and 35 yards, the two, the two incompletions, uh, weren't caused, you know, weren't forced by him. Uh, I think they were, you know, either there's a drop or, or something like that. So, um, the, it's, it, it's kind of, it's just kind of one of those things where Driscoll wasn't accurate on the day. So he wasn't, except for on a couple of throws that, you know, in the fourth quarter, but 
when you don't have the opportunity to you know to like be in position to to force an incompletion, um, and sometimes if, if you know like your quarterback is so inaccurate, if you're out of position, it doesn't matter like you know what you're what you're doing in defense if the quarterback just really can't hit the broadside of a barn. So um, that's kind of like how it happened. Like I think um, I think a better quarterback maybe would have would have exposed what was going on in the secondary. You know, he had some, he had some plays where they, there was some pretty loose coverage um, by the secondary and it was just missed, missed throws, missed opportunities by the, um, by the Bengals. And, and you know, either if it was downfield or, or short, there's just a lot of, um, a lot of missed opportunities by them. And just when you have that, there's not much opportunity for the, the coverage unit to, to come through and, um, you know, affect you know, get good grades unless they're really getting their hands on the ball, which, you know, wasn't happening in this game. You know, you just had one pass breakup by T.J. Carey, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, it it made for tough, but, I mean, hey, look, you know, I mean, it's nice when you can kind of get to nitpick through an easy W. And, uh, obviously, you know, we're going to deal now uh, Denzel Ward. You know, obviously, I'm I'm 99.9% sure his 2018 season is over. Uh, Go get all the rest you need, young man. You know, come back 2019, come back strong. Uh, you listen to Locked On Browns here, Jeff Lloyd, John Costco, John from Pro Football Focus. We're going through the grades here from Sunday's win over Cincinnati, the Locked On NFL podcast. Matt Williamson does a great job over there, guys. Monday through Friday, you know, guests from ESPN, Pro Football Focus, Sage Rosenfels. You get a lot of power to Matt's lineup Monday through Friday. So if you're not subscribed, go ahead and change that now, the Locked On NFL podcast with Matt Williamson. Now, John, um, we switch it over to, you know, the offensive side of the ball. And, I mean, if you want to know what the bread and butter of this Cleveland Browns offense is, it rings true when you get to this side and how everybody graded out. You know, the child will lead them, Baker Mayfield, Duke Johnson with another Duke Johnson with a strong, strong game. And it's nice. I mean, Duke, you know, he probably should be fresh and really healthy here in December because he goes two to three weeks without getting used. But Nick Chubb and David Najoku, Rashard Higgins, hey, even Dontrell Hilliard, and you know Darren Phil, Darren Fells, you know big six foot seven, two hundred sixty pound playmaker, bud. Yeah, I mean you have when you have a uh, quarterback that's just dealing, uh, comp- uh, you know, and executing this offense, which which Freddie Kitchens has done a fantastic job. And I'll touch on that a little bit later, but um, Baker, you know, he his he was awesome um, early on. He was and there was some miscommunication with Jarvis Landry on a couple of throws. Um, where Baker is a little bit early on, on throwing it. One of the, yeah, one of the things I said is, look, Baker. There's going to be times where Baker comes out too amped up, and you're gonna. Ha- that's one thing you're gonna have to deal with him. But you know, you know, as any coach or any football guy would say, is, hey, let me get the guy who's too amped up, as opposed to the guy that I'm worried about whether or not I got to put my foot in his butt, you know, to get him motivated for a game. You know. Yeah, absolutely. He was. Yeah, he he and he calmed down. You know, he, he was like, all right, I need to, I need to slow it up a little bit because he was a bit trigger happy and early on and um but obviously made up for it he had four big time throws in this game somewhere it's the coverage is just unbelievably tight um you know and making making second second uh reads or in the scramble drill or something like that so he was he was just fantastic um had the second best grade of the season uh by his standards and really just um made the engine go and obviously you look at what Duke Johnson was able to do in the passing game and you know they did a couple of jet sweeps to him which was fantastic finally they're getting more involved with that because I think he, 
you know, he's a guy that uh, can uh, be um, Darren Fells, yeah, really excellent game by him. Uh, um, you had the just three catches, but you know, he had two touchdowns. Had touchdown kind of sorry I looked at that wrong he was not great as a run blocker so um, but what you want is as a tight end if you can if you can make up for it in the past game that's great so um, and then he was just spreading the wealth to everybody else the only guy that really didn't have a, a, a big day was Antonio Callaway because he had the, just the one target um, 33 you know pass route so if you don't get the ball in your hands there's not much you can do to, to up, up your grade in, in that respect so just um, really solid effort all around there's really good grades to go around obviously Nick Chubb doing well and Bershard um, Perriman and, and, and David Njoku with the big long run I can't believe he didn't score but it was it was great it was um, it, just another well-rounded team effort um, now, offensively, uh, the pass blocking was ridiculously well, and I, I'm, I'm not positive on this, but was that the greatest individual performance by the group this season? I mean, everybody seemed well north of 70. Uh, I would have to look and dig through like week by week to see what they're... Because uh, first things first, when I, see, when I see Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard both in, the, in well into the 70s, it makes me think that may that may have been the week. Yeah, it's... It, both both of those guys were you know Robinson give up they had give up three hurries, uh, and Chris Hubbard gave up just a one, which you know is obviously those are pretty solid numbers, especially against the defensive line of of the Bengals who you know, it, I think people maybe I don't know if they forgot maybe not but Geno Atkins Chris, you know Chris Dunlap guys that are uh, really really good rushing the passer when you hold them at to bay, at bay for the most part I mean it's that's a fantastic effort by those guys. I I don't think it was probably their best game as a pass blocking unit. I think they've had a um, one or two others that may have been better, but I'd have to I mean I have to look week by week at that. I don't have that super handy. So it, it's still great, obviously a great performance. They all, Baker is only under pressure, you know, eight, eight individual play, you know, times where pressure was given up on um, by a, an individual. He was under pressure on um, ten different dropbacks where you know, some were some were for. Um, unblocked or whatever so great great job by those guys and i'm thumbing through here uh where's the grade for jarvis landry's throw bud uh so one thing that you can't uh so what you have to do is you have to open up uh passing grades in the in <laughs> that and you can see pass and the one pass it got an 82.2 i mean it was, a, it was a big time throw so if you if you go from you know you're looking at the game of the Bengals and the Browns and so I guess this is for people listening and they have premium 2.0 and they have a uh, from a, you know PFF elite subscription when you're looking at the um, the the game stats and grades of the Bengals and Browns if there's upper upper right corner you can click on the PFF box score report you've got offensive grades allowed pressure passing grades which is what you would want to click on to find Jarvis Landry's passing stats. And then you got a whole bunch of other grades that you can can take a look at. Click on those passing grades, and you can see uh, Baker's. You know, obviously you see Baker's stats, uh, and then you see the one for one for sixty yards and a, and a pass grade of eighty two point two. 
Well, there you go. Uh, Jarvis Landry, next contract negotiation. I'm sure he's going to go in that with that as well. Um, and it's fun, but look, you know, and this is something you got to do with, and, and, and I appreciate Freddie for doing this and understanding this. When you got a bunch of young guys, um, you want that one or two trick play that these guys work on during the week. And But the thing is, it's not just to work on it. It's to know that these guys know that, hey, there's a really good shot. He's going to call it. And the guys, you know, the guys are ready for it. The guys are into it. The guys want it, you know, and it, it gives an opportunity for different guys to do different things. Um, we'll get to Freddie here in a second, and, you know, in the coaching, because this is really, I mean, this has become a really, really interesting topic. But Nick Chubb, and, you know, now I said earlier, you know, Cincinnati Bengals, one thing you're going to have to deal with for the next, you know, you know, long time here is number 95. Obviously, we spoke about Baker, and that's something. But Nick Chubb, and, you know, here's a guy they don't seem to have an answer for right now. Their linebacking core is terrible. And, I mean, Nick Chubb, if he were to, you know, I mean, just in two starts against the Bengals, he's pretty much just eating them alive. And, uh, you know, some of it is, you know, his athleticism and is able to get in and out of breaks. And it's it's still, and I go back to this, Nick Chubb has just got that country boy strong where, go ahead, jump on on. I'll take you all for a ride. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that the Browns offensive line is as good as they are in pass protection, which is most important. They're not great. Um, but because there's one of our, uh, you know, in, during the season, I think going into this, this game, they were we had them the number two offensive line in the NFL. Um, but Nick Chubb is is pretty much doing everything himself when it comes to the running game because in this game he averaged. Five point nine yards per carry, but two point five point two six of those were five first downs. He he turned out, so he was he was, um, he was getting good chunks of yards. Um, you know, good chunks of yards in a run game would be four plus yards or whatever um, on a consistent basis, and it's not like he even forced a lot of missed tackles it was he was dragging people you know while while they're trying to tackle him so he only forced two missed tackles in this game he's you know he's just fantastic he's making the right reads making the right cuts he's he's obviously powerful and, and explosive that he's can just drag these guys and, and not get you know he gets hit he's going through them uh, and you know several extra yards which is obviously fantastic as a running back uh, I think moving forward, you want to figure out what why this offensive line isn't grading, you know, doing what it's usually, um, you know, on a consistent basis. But I think uh, uh, what you get from Nick Chubb is is very adequate as a as a runner for sure. Yeah, and then you throw in the compliment of Duke Johnson and even Hilliard. You know, the finding a couple of things to do with him, and you know, he seems like a guy that you know watches Duke, watches Nick, and says, "Man, let me just get a crack or two, and seems to do everything he can with the opportunity. Guys, you were listening to Locked On Browns, your pro football focus edition with John Costco. Um, we, we've gotten into the offense. We've gotten into the defense here. We're going to get into the coaching in a little bit here. Locked On Cavaliers, Chris Manning does a fantastic job navigating you through you know, what's not going to be a very successful season. But Chris is putting out serious hard content day in, day out to keep you guys covered on everything that is currently going on. So Locked On Cavaliers with Chris Manning. Make sure you give it a run, guys. Now, John, and we've gotten into this a little bit last night with Pete Smith. Um, 
what seemed like, okay, uh, you know, you fired your offensive coordinator, you fired your head coach, all right, we're going to navigate through the rest of this season, and then we're going to go head coach hunting. And, you know, John at the time may have had a predetermined early list in his mind, and, you know, oh, I'd like that guy, or I want to talk to that guy. But, I mean, Freddie Kitchens and Greg Williams have done a fantastic job on their part, but it's also done nothing but make this job, this head coach search, impossible for John and the guys in the front office because you have to like what's, you know, what's gone on here over the last eight weeks, and as much as you don't want to get caught up in, you know, a a quick present moment, it's really hard to, you know, ignore what these two have done, even though you have other candidates that you want to speak with. Yeah, I mean, he's made... Greg Williams has made the decision and and a, uh, more difficult. Um, I, I think when obviously when he comes to, to this coaching search, you have to take the emotion of the feel good of the season pretty much kind of out of it because you're really looking for a guy that you can pair with Baker Mayfield for the next decade plus. Um, you know, you don't want a guy like some people have talked about, like, oh, this is this is a guy to pair with Baker for the next four years or something like that. It's like, no, like, why would you look at a for a head coach for the next four years? You want a guy that's going to be there for, you know, a, you know, a very long time, you know, 10, 15 years, because you've got your, your franchise quarterback. You know, you look at the most successful quarter, you know, quarterbacks getting to the Super Bowl and, and winning on a consistent basis. Um, yeah, obviously, obviously Brady and Belichick is the exactly. first fine, but you even have Sean Payton, and even though they had a rough stretch for a little bit there, um, where they were just basically you know around 500 for a couple of seasons, it's still uh, Drew Brees is is a fantastic uh, NFL quarterback who's going to be a future Hall of Famer that's probably going to make the Super Bowl this year, and I think uh, you know those are those guys have, have grown together, and you just look at. You know, you have a coach-quarterback combination that you want for a decade plus. Is Greg Williams that? I'm not convinced of that. And the reason why is that you look at, you know, you look at what he did in Buffalo. Maybe he's learned a lot from it. But I think I think prior coach, you know, head coaching records matter. Um, what he was able, you know, he's going to have now the opportunity to build his own staff that how how he sees fits because he's he's running with a staff that was essentially dropped on him and so he's going to make changes to it i'm pretty sure obviously he'd want to keep freddie kitchens because of how the offense has been going but what's he going to do on the uh on the defensive side um you know is he going to continue to have his son running the defense hasn't been playing they've had early on had a ton of turnovers that they generated but that's a lot of luck and you can see in recent you know, even in this, this winning this stretch of winning, they haven't done all that much turning the ball over. Um, and I think you kind of see stretches of time where the, the defense does struggle, I think. Uh, now, so then notice when you look at Freddie Kitchens, right? So um, people, oh, you have to do everything you can to keep Freddie Kitchens. I, yeah, I agree, because he's been, like, awesome. So, like, as an example, first eight weeks of the season, the Browns' offense ranked, 28th in our grades across the board so like we have an overall grade and then you, you can break it down by category but the overall grade of the offense from out of out of todd haley was 28th you go to the you know since freddie kitchens has taken over they're number three in the nfl at 81.8 and it's Jeez. not and it's and it's not because 
obviously Baker, uh, you know, the difference of having Baker and, and Tyrod plays plays a part in that because Tyrod's grades are so bad in those first two and a half games that they they take down the pass grade, um, and Baker is trying to get him up. But yeah, Baker's been better in the second half of, of the season as well. So like there is that part of it, but the pass the, the, the receivers are, are grading out at a much higher level. The the rushing is at a much higher level. Obviously that contributes to having or attributes to having a uh, Nick Chubb there instead of Carlos Hyde. So there's that factor. Uh but the the run blocking act, um is is better that with Freddie Kitchens than it was early on. But the one thing that, you know, maybe that people will say like, well, you know, you, you replace Desmond uh, Harrison with uh uh Greg Robinson so that could be a huge factor in the grades. Actually, as a unit, the pass blocking has, has been as good uh, under Freddie Kitchens as it was early on. Here. Like the players were, were performing better. That you know, you look at Joel Batone, the interior offensive line especially. Those guys were actually playing better early on. So what it is is that the scheme has really elevated everybody. And I'm, I'm, when I say that the offensive line was is playing better earlier on, I mean, we're talking about a marginal marginal difference. Like exactly. It's an eighty-one point eight, you know. With Freddie, it was like an eighty-four point three with under the Todd Haley. So you're talking minor differences. Obviously, the left tackle position is better um, than it was, on, you know, early on. So um, I think that's you know, you look at that and you say, yes, this is he's putting this team out there and putting them in positions to win. He's doing, you know, the scheming it open. He's he's you know, game planning extremely well. He's got the staff that he's you know under him. Uh, doing everything right, and then the players are responding to that. So, um, Freddie is is a key part. So now here's the thing, though. If once Greg Williams has to, you know, if you want to keep him, you're going to keep him for another year because I don't, you know, Freddie Kitchens m- might get a head coaching job somewhere. I would doubt it right away. But so you're going to get Freddie streak. And then he's gone, and then you're you're going to have Greg Williams have to hire a new offensive coordinator. Do you trust him to do that? I don't. And I think what you need to do is find <laughs> the head coach that knows how to build the staff. He knows how to get uh, like Greg Williams is doing a lot of great things. I'm not taking this away from him, but I don't know if you can trust him to get the right the offensive coordinator right. And you know that can. That's a big, obviously a big part of this, and what has success for a team. And you know, you expect Baker to grow and become even better in year two and three and four and five, and you know, uh, be one of the considered one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, but I think you know, having a good offense coordinator, especially early on in a, in a, in a player's career, is is vital um, because you saw what the difference is with having a a competent guy out there and so you have to think of the head coaching guy uh, search as who's going to be that guy that knows how to build a staff get his troops motivated schemed up all that stuff just everything that comes along with it just essentially having intelligence and and knowing how to run an NFL you know uh, roster and, and and team so uh, it's a tough decision. I, I, I get that. And I think what you, it's, I, I don't envy John Dorsey and what he's going about to do, but I, I think what you can do is trust the, you know, trust him in, ter- in terms of looking for the right guy. And also John D, uh, or Paul D Podesta, 
um, who's uh, we've I guess we've re- re- you know found out in the past couple of days how integral he is in in the coaching searches. So um, it'll be it'll be I, I I just don't envy the the position that those guys are in because I understand the notion of wanting to keep this all intact because of what's happened and I think. I think it's just you have to you have to take the emotional uh, side of out of it, and I. But if you know if you come down comes down to it, and and Greg's the best candidate, it is what it is. Go for it, right? But um, I think you just have to take all that into consideration of of it's not just like next this year, next year. It's the next ten years of you know is Greg Williams right right coach for this team and and basically Baker Mayfield so. Yeah, I mean, we're looking late into the 2020s here, and you know what you're going to need in in an offensive coordinator is you're going to need a guy that week in week out is going to you know I don't want to say challenge like in calling out Baker Mayfield, but you know challenge in like look this is what worked last week yeah we're going to scrap about 65 percent of that we're going to go with this this and this and I think Freddie does a great job week in week out of flipping the script and it seems it, you know it, it 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 you know engages baker even more look you ain't got to get baker mayfield engaged he's always going to be engaged this is the way the dude's wired but you need to find somebody where he's going to feel like he's got 100% confidence in everything that's coming out of his mouth you know for you know for him to achieve you know the everything that he can give you week in week out which we've seen over this and look it's only going to get harder they go into baltimore and they win this game it's just going to make the job that much tougher because the expectations are going to be through the stinking roof and talking to guys who sell the season tickets, you know, the phones are ringing off the hook and they're moving tickets, you know, at hourly rate, hundreds of them. I mean, everybody wants in. Everybody's loving this product. Guys, this has been your pro football focus edition of Locked On Browns with John Costco. Obviously, we went through the defense. We went through the offense. And it's going to be interesting here. It, I mean, this coaching search, and it's going to go on a while. I mean, I mean, January just may be covering the coaching search, and it could just end up at the end of the day, oh, Greg's here, and Freddie got a big fat deal. He's the coach in waiting, and he got a nice extension as an offensive coordinator. It could play out that way, but you're going to have to put your due diligence into it. Um, guys, read all of John's work over at Pro Football Focus. Obviously, we'll get him on here for Week 17. Uh, once we start shifting the draft coverage, obviously, you know, John can bring a lot of Pro Football Focus in the, uh, you know, uh, information with it along with that. So we're going to get into all that as you know the months go on here. But still, one game to play, guys. You know, at Baltimore, he got flexed to a 4:30 game, which is you know, which is nice. I mean, you see that people want to see this team and it is a big game obviously there is a lot on the line uh nice to see the pittsburgh steelers fans going to jump on the browns backs this weekend don't care just win the game i don't care how it works out for everybody else close it out eight seven and one would mean the world for these guys it's not going to crush them but eight seven one going to the offseason with all that's going to go on and obviously the roster additions and it would be a good time for these guys and i think these this young group for all they put into this season it, it would mean a lot for them moving forward um, so the follow the show locked on Browns on Twitter. We keep it a follow back account. Uh, locked on NFL Net on Instagram. Locked on NFL Net on Twitter. Uh, follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, iTunes ratings reviews. Those are all fantastic. Please keep those coming. As we always say when we close it out here on Locked On Browns. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. <laughs>